It is Darren Ollinger from Julius Sumner Miller, all the way from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And you got it locked on the 25,000 Miles Radio Show. Welcome to the show, Darren. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. And I'd like to commend us both for remembering that this was happening. <laughs> because we looked at, like, what, back in a, December? A month ago, December. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, good. well done, us. Well, I'm getting old. Well, actually, I am old, not getting old. And so what I started doing is immediately when I agreed to dates and times, I just instantly put them in my calendar. It's a bizarre productive way to live but it yeah, pays off huh? Do, does like a like a a thing go off like boom, you have this interview no i don't think so i think what happens is the second i write it down or type it it uh instantly gets remembered in my brain so right on um okay so how are you doing with covid right now in your area well i haven't got it yet <laughs> thankfully so yeah that's a good start I'm, I'm really good at avoiding it i guess would be to answer your first party question <laughs> Um, it kind of sucks in old Calgary right now because everything's 
it's this, um, I like to call it a lazy lockdown where you can still do things, but you can't do the fun things. So, Because I, I feel like at first it was nobody knew anyone who had COVID. And everyone was like, "What? why are we even staying inside? And now yeah. people are actually getting it. And they're like, oh, this is why we're staying inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's totally, it's weird that you need proof, like actual tangible proof of you can't just believe and trust someone's word in this day and age. You have to actually see and know a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy, you know? Yeah, exactly. Almost a sad commentary of our, our world really, but <laughs> yeah, it is, <laughs> but here we are. Yep. Here we are. <laughs> I've heard you explain this before, but for listeners, could you explain Julius Sumner Miller, the whole, the whole meaning behind the name? Um, we named the band after a guy named Julius Sumner Miller. And at the time, we only knew him as the mad professor from a TV show we, I watched, or many people have watched in their Canadian youth, called The Hilarious House of Frightenstein. Um, are you aware of that show at all? Um, I am. Only okay. because of you guys, though. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's good. We kind of became this CanCon educational band i guess you could say because uh, a lot of people younger than like mid-30s and younger have no clue but there was a time when that show it was a low-budget horror kids show <laughs> <laughs> done by a guy named billy van and he played all the characters except for vincent price and the professor and uh at a hamilton and it was on tv like every morning of your life so when you woke up before school you'd watch hilarious house of frightenstein and uh the Mighty Hercules and Rocket Robin Hood. Yeah, yeah. Eating classics, man. So, uh, but I always gravitated towards the professor because he always would start his little segment of doing his um, physics demonstrations with uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen and others. And I always thought it was hilarious because who were the others? And when I was six, it didn't really make sense to me that I didn't get it. But uh, it stuck with me forever. And then we named the band after the funny guy. And then we found out that he's a big deal in a lot of <laughs> in this world, man. So uh, he's like the biggest thing going in Australia. He was legit Bill Nye before Bill Nye was a thing. Like he was working. He was a Disney act in the 60s and stuff like that. It's crazy. So uh, it's cool. We've pulled a lot of because of that name unintentionally. We've pulled a lot of fans who are into the hilarious House of Frankenstein world. And we've pulled a lot of fans from Australia that are like, whoa, like the um, like the Australian library or whatever. The National Library of Australia tweeted about three years ago, did you know there's a punk band from Canada named after the professor? And it was like, that's when I was like, well, this is so weird, man. But we'll take it. Yeah, man. I, I yeah. was just going to ask, like, has there been any overlap like on the Internet? Because of the name, like... Oh, yeah, like, it's it pops up in the randomest places, because, like, I'll be on a House of Frightenstein fan page. Like, I'll follow them or something like that, and then all of a sudden they'll be like, oh, I found this band named after the professor, and it's like, hey, that's me. And then next thing you know, two of the thousand people that are on that thing actually take the time to listen to it, and one of those two people dig it. And then next thing you know, you got another fan off it, so it's... Yeah. Woo! It's unintentional, but it it pays off. It's cool. We played a show in Edmonton one time years ago, and this guy said he only came to the show because of our band name. And I thought that was brash or dedication to the love of the professor. And he goes, no, I love Hilarious House of Frankenstein. And then he dropped his pants and then proceeded to show me every single character 
from that television show tattooed on his legs. And I was like, whoa, dude. And so it all made sense. So. <laughs> nice. I'm glad yeah. it ended there because you're like, he proceeded to pull down his pants. I was like, oh, yeah, man. I, I couldn't dramatically pause, but whatever. It's <laughs> road stories, but that was a healthy one. So. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Um, so usually I'd ask how you're staying busy as a band uh, at this point, but anyone who follows you on social media right now, you can see you've done, you've got two brand new videos right now that you've done. You you just recorded uh, what your fourth full length album. So maybe we'll start with um, like the first video you put out the red Dawn video. Can you tell us about that? That was in the works because that was a song off our previous record. We teach nothing. And we've been wanting to do that video for years because it would be so much fun. It harkens back to our pop culture love of cheesy 80s things, I guess. But uh, we wrote that whole song about Red, the movie Red Dawn from 1984, the Patrick Swayze classic, if you've ever seen it. it's. Um... But uh, there was a, muse, uh, there's a big-time movie director in Calgary named Mike Peterson, and we were at the ship and anchor in Calgary drinking one night talking about our love of the John Cena classic Bumblebee. And it's which is also a really good movie and has nothing to do with anything, but I, <laughs> I digress. Um, and uh, we told him that we did this song about Red Dawn and he said, oh, I'd love to do a music video. And that was two years ago. And then the, we started talking about it and then a couple things got sidetracked and then COVID hit. And then, so all this stuff. So it kept getting bumped and bumped. And then one day, in the summer, it all worked out. All the stars aligned, and we pulled it off. And we finally filmed that hilarious video. And they cut it, and made it, and edited it, and put it out. And it was awesome. So it was nice. And that was we did that after we had recorded the new album. So yeah, and I encourage anyone who hasn't seen that video to go watch that video. Yeah, it's a it's a ruckus good time. <laughs> camp, camp, camp. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, you have the second video that you put out, uh, Playing for Nobody. Yeah, that was um, the, well, it was, we just did that. It's a new, it's one of the new songs off the new record. And we thought it would be hilarious in a COVID time where everybody's just sitting around at home. The gist of that song was it was written pre-COVID because we're a punk band and we too play a lot of out-of-town shows and Calgary shows too for a lack of attendance, so to speak. I'm sure anybody that's a fan of punk rock or knows what an empty show looks like. And so I thought it would be funny to start a song off with, we're used to playing for nobody. So won't you all sing along and then have nobody sing along with you. So, uh, and that's the joke. And then, uh, so then we turned it into an actual catchy ass sing along. And then we sent out the uh, song and the lyrics to a bunch of people and a lot of them did it. A lot of them pretended to uh, or lip synced to the song and filmed themselves doing so. And then they sent it all back to us. And then Monty, uh, the guitarist, the wonderful, handsome guitarist from JSM, cut it all, edited it all together. And we have ourselves another video. So and it's it turned pretty out pretty dope. well. Pretty well. Yeah, it was really fun. It's a neat idea. I thought it was pretty, pretty fresh. And it was nice, too, because the COVID thing where everybody's just sitting at home with their phones doing nothing. It, it kind of worked, I guess. It, it was nice to make a COVID video without making, a co- making it about COVID, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. And it's nice that the song was pre-COVID, too, but it kind of just yeah, worked yeah. that way. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, you mentioned this. Uh, that song is on your new album. And yep. uh, that's coming out March fifth. Yeah, me about it's that. All, it's we recorded it right when we had studio time booked in that started April, 
and uh, and everything was locked down, and we were at this fancy studio, and they were like, "Yeah, we'll do it, but no, don't post any social media. <laughs> we don't want to get because nobody knew, right? So we were we moved into the studio for five days and recorded a record during a pandemic, and it's hilarious how much we did during this pandemic. Where the we recorded a record, and those we released those and filmed and released those two videos, and we have two other videos that are done too, and we're going to release those as well, as the singles keep coming out on this new record. So. Um, as ba- most bands are sitting around or breaking up, we're um, creating a boatload of content for us, I guess. <laughs> yeah, man, you're going strong. What else are you going to do? Awesome. Yeah, what else are you going to do? So. Yeah, right? We're used to playing for nobody, so won't you all sing along? We're used to playing for nobody, so won't you all sing along? We're used to playing for no one, so won't you all sing along? Use your mouth, use your lips, use that. COVID going around, a lot of people are doing live streams. How do you guys yeah. feel about doing a live stream? Well, I don't, I don't think that's for us. It's, I feel goofy enough playing bars for 20 people. I couldn't imagine. And then you like even filming a music video is in the moment. It's, you feel like it's the stupidest thing in the world. So I couldn't imagine and nothing against any other band that's doing it. This is just a personal thing. I feel like I would feel like it was the, I would, soul sucking to perform for nobody and then make it look like I'm going hard for 45 minutes and then uh and then to put it out there and maybe have 16 people interested in it and then it's just gone 
Yeah, right. And you can yeah, see so how many people are watching. I mean, you can see yeah, how many people dude. are watching you in real life. But I mean, I think and it's it, even worse if you could see two people watching you on the internet. You'd be like, oh, right. <laughs> and it's and and I'm a defeatist like that. So I would be like, oh, so I'd rather just avoid it. Like it makes sense if bad religions doing it, but yeah. not my not my little band. So. Yeah, but in like yeah, like bands like Bad Religion and and No Effects, they did those the those live stream. Well, they were recorded. Yeah, and yeah but... I don't know. I don't know if anyone really paid for tickets. Like maybe like a few people did, but it was like on YouTube the next day. You know? Well, that's the thing too. If you're doing it to generate funds in an internet based kind of thing like that, you gotta it's gotta be for a special reason that you're asking people for money, not just to watch me play on the internet. So. Yeah, exactly. Especially it, when the next day it's available, like you said, for free. And, it, you know, you want to support the band, but then it's like, I don't want to support them and watch them on my computer. Oh, yeah, it does take away the uh, it does take away the, the event of the whole thing, too. And you can always see how many people were actually into it after the fact, because the band will reshare this Instagram stories of other people watching them on their computers and stuff like that. And... Most bands go through that racket, and then they they share like six things, maybe ten tops if they're super popular. And it's like wow, you did all that work for that's playing for nobody, literally. Yeah, so there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Nice call. So anyway, to answer your question, it's not for me. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't. So you know what? We're both from the Calgary punk scene, and I don't know if you remember this, but through the years, I kind of got little nuggets of advice from you. And I quote, if you start a band, make sure it's called Norwegian Icebreaker. Do you remember that? I told you that? I think, yeah. I'm almost positive. (laughs) I played in a band. I joined that band. I played in a band called Norwegian Icebreaker, and they already had the name when I joined them. So, Huh. I can't take any credit for that one at all. (laughs) I could have sworn. I was like, oh, man, I remember that. (laughs) That's funny. But no, I can't. I wish I could take credit for that. That's one of the coolest band names ever in the history of band names, man. I think maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, <fair laughs> gotta enough, keep man. it going. Wow, you should start it again. I bet you. I bet you those other guys wouldn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about playing for nobody? <laughs> Come out with a band name, Norwegian Icebreaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then. And then have the loudest sound sonically in the world to actually clear out the 20 people that are there. So, (laughs) (laughs) I remember playing a show once and there was, there's not very many people there. And there's this guy standing there right in the front, like the whole time. And he just like is shaking his head. I'm like, all right, that's fine. And I go, okay, guys, we only have like two more songs. And he goes, oh man. Cause he's, because he's committed to watching you, liking it or not. He's yeah. like, I can't be the one guy that leaves. Yeah, I think that's it. Like, when you're the one guy, you're like, oh, oh, no. I'm stuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is kind of old news, but I wanted to bring yeah. it up because uh, I like that it's kind of part of the past here. But uh, you used to run the New Black Center when that was around. Oh, yeah, many moons ago. Yeah. 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 Um, so it was an all-ages music venue and an art venue. And even a couple of my bands played there. Now, I'm sure you have a lot of stories from that time, but can you pick out one time that was like, yes, I'm glad that I do this. I'm glad that I run this thing. Oh, God. 
I or could, maybe you don't have one of those. I could give you a million stories of why you shouldn't run an all of these. Yeah, well, hey, that question's coming next. <laughs> um, in the moment, you see things that just go well, and you see bands get excited or things work out on successful shows, and you know, when things go well for people, it's you kind of you're living vicariously through their excitement or their experiences when you're just standing on the back hoping that nobody punches a wall in the drywall or a hole in the drywall. So. <laughs> if you're running an all ages hall you're not doing it for yourself (laughs) yeah it's got to be so tough because you've got like i mean ticket prices don't do much oh nothing does there's no way to make money in an all ages scenario especially in calgary alberta canada because the rent's too high everywhere if you charge 10 bucks at the door and you're trying to appease people under 20 years old that's too much and uh anybody (laughs) over 20 what do you mean you can't get beer here and then, so they won't come either. So, ten bucks for what? It's like to watch the bands, <laughs> keep the lights on. So nobody, nobody, nobody gets it. Nobody got it. So yeah, it's a tough sell. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, hey, there, there was, there were people out there that were like, yeah, this is, this is the place to go. But oh, absolutely, absolutely, and a lot of people championed it and loved it and stuff like that. But those are the people that weren't trying to pay and max <laughs> yeah exactly and yeah, it's like you so. can't come out to every show either right you can come out and support every once in a while but it's like yeah. ugh. it's it's tricky too man there's a lot it's a, there was a lot of things that you never think of just come left and right and you're like why i just wanted to put a show on her why am i dealing with this right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so those who don't know you are also the music booker slash talent buyer at the ship and anchor but due to COVID, I'm sure things are a little bit slow. So how are things yeah, sure going with that? I sure don't work there now because of COVID. Mm, so, okay. Well, that'll do it. Yeah, well, no shows to book. There's no point in having an entertainment manager. So, Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, good, no, I, I booked there from 2012, I think I started there, in 2011. So good run. It's a weird way to go out, though, if this is how it ends. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, like... Oh. Not because I wanted to quit because I'm so successful or I got fired because some zany thing happened. It was just like, no, there's a pandemic. Just go home. Yeah, hey, you're just no. like, okay, see ya. There's no uh, my own terms on that one at all, man. So it's like, ugh, well, that sucked. But Listen, man, you had it dialed in. I don't know how you did it, but the shows that were put on there always went off. I remember being in a line, like, outside the venue, and I'm like, what is this line? And you looked at me and you said, you see a line, but I see success. <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds like something I would say. <laughs> I would probably was like, you see a line, and I see, I'm going to keep my job for another week, right? So. <laughs> yeah. There it is. That's the one thing you. That's the one thing you learn from bars and all ages shows. I remember booking a couple of the hardcore bands that really drew in the all ages shows, and I put them into bar shows, and the same amount of people showed up. But in the hardcore scene, they sure don't drink a lot of beer. So <laughs> your boss is like, hey, the, "The liquor sales were terrible tonight." And I was like, "Yeah, the show was cool though. Like, yeah, well, we didn't make any money, so don't ever do that again." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's probably a pretty fine balance. You gotta kind of weasel in like those bands, like those hardcore bands, with other ones. Oh yeah, it's like it's it's a tricky scenario because you just kind of want to make everybody happy as a promoter, and that's <laughs> not always the case. It's, it's, 
it's almost an impossible job. So. <laughs> well, you know what? You got a thumbs up from me on Thanks, that pal. one. There you go. Um, you are also the creative director at X929. You are no stranger to the radio. No, I I just 14 years in on January 1st. So wow. I, yeah. Right I on, still man. have that. I still have that job, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. That this gets is my uh, digs, I bet. Yeah, that's my main run. That pays the mortgage and feeds my children. Um, <clears throat> this is the twenty. I started my my first radio job in nineteen ninety eight. So I've been doing the radio thing for a long time. Yeah, yeah. How did you get into uh, doing radio or just things on the radio? I went to radio. I went to SATE. I took radio school at okay. SATE. Yeah. I always wanted, I, I loved radio. I loved listening, hearing Rush songs on the FM dial. But I always was like, I wish they'd play more things that I liked. So I'm going to go to radio school and then I'm going to get a job in the radio industry and I'm going to change it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was in that radio school for like a week and I was like, oh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You got to follow their rules, man. <laughs> what, what else am I good at? <laughs> and then I was. Then I found out I was really good at writing radio commercials. So, oh, nice. And I've been doing that ever since. So, right on. So what does a creative director at a radio station do? You you type the hype would be the term of it. You uh, you meet with clients and they give you what they want to spiel on the radio and you write it down. You massage it into a thirty second story and you uh, send it off to production. And some person with a better voice and a better look voices it and uh, makes things sound better and then we send it back to the client and then they love it and sometimes we sing jingles and sometimes we're goofy and sometimes it's drab and sometimes it's something else and which is the coolest part of that gig is that it's, you go there every day and it's the same job but it's a different you write a different story every day so it's kind of you get to be creative oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh so this I always remember, this is pretty cool, because Julia Sumner Miller, um, I remember when you guys first went to Pooza Fest in Montreal, and it yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. everyone was like, whoa, Julia Sumner Miller went to Montreal, right? And then the, yeah. the poster came out, and you guys were like, like, oh, there they are on the poster. Yeah, yeah. And then, but you guys kept going, and gradually, your name kept going up on the list. Yeah, one line at a time, man. I, I remember... Like, old, like the last one I saw, it was like, you guys were like pretty close to the headliners. I was like, whoa. No. <laughs> we were just, we were just four lines further from the bottom. Yeah, well. man, you kept uh, working your way up. So how did you hook up with the promoters of Pooza? Um, I knew Matt from the Planet Smashers and Stomp Records. At the very first time, I was like, yo, can we come play your festival? <laughs> this is a whim. And he's like. I don't know, like, you have a band? <laughs> and I told him about it, and he's like, so I sent him, when we just finished recording our first record, and he's like, will this be out in time? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, will you guys just come out? And we're like, yeah, we're gonna, we'll come out. You don't have to pay us or anything. We'll fly ourselves out there, and we'll just give us this 20-minute set. And he was like, okay. <laughs> it's the easiest way to get on festivals, man. Just say, we won't ask for any anything. <laughs> Just put our name on the poster, man. Yeah, dude. And, I get, and we showed up, and we were professional, and we promoted it a lot, and a lot of people, and it, the show went well, and it was well-received. So then they're always like, yeah, whenever you guys want to come back. And we're like, how about all the time? And they're like, okay. So, Man, I remember that name crawling up. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and it's neat too because especially in Montreal now we've played it like four, four times. We we're supposed to do our fifth one here, but it got canceled to COVID. But it's cool every time you play. Is the shows a cooler venue and the crowd is a little bigger? And it, like by the last the last time we played there, there was like no joke, like 50, 60 people watching us, and like half some of the people like were singing along and stuff. And it was just like sweet to watch yourself as a band get a little bigger. Just I'm talking like fives and sevens of people, but <laughs> just but you can watch that inch by inch progression of a band in a town that you live. A 48 hour drive away from you know it's it's kind of neat so yeah, kind of makes you feel like yeah well if these guys dig it then watch out saskatoon we're gonna come for you next <laughs> you know what i was trying to find a question to fit this in but hey remember the colin decker freefall <laughs> yeah it was my that was the first band i was ever in with, with uh jay and scott from belvedere yeah that was a riot right. man yeah yeah Remember, I, I I think I saw you. Guys, I, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was the Colin Decker Free Fall, inventing the wheel, and like Super Sift reunion or something like that at the Stetson. Yeah, is that a real show? Super Sift. Without well, we uh, the first show we ever played, we opened with open for Super Sift, but I can't speak of the. I remember playing with that inventing the wheel band one time. With this is a standoff. Does that sound right? Maybe oh, that was yeah. it. Both at the Stetson. Anyway, I was like, hey, remember that band? <laughs> <laughs> we played a lot of shows at the Stetson because our drummer at the time was the booker there. And he would, it's really funny because that's how I kind of learned what not to do and what to do from him a little bit. But I learned the second I became a booker, I put a line in the sand saying I'd never book my own band to play. Because I remember back in those days, we'd play shows and then people would drive. The only reason you're getting that show is because the booker put you on there. And I was like, probably. Probably. <laughs> 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 Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> sorry, sorry that you're raging with jealousy that I'm the fifth band playing the 830 slot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry nobody. there's yeah, 10 for... people here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I, but I always thought that was kind of pity on my end because it was diminishing our merit. Do you know what I mean? Like we worked hard and we're trying our asses off to become a good band and we won't. And then, so you hear that stuff and it just, it kind of was defeated the purpose of what you were trying to do. So when I became a booker, I always, I've never, so I've never booked my own band just because of that reason. Good rule. Good rule. Called in- integrity. That's right. Integrity. <laughs> There's a, don't get me wrong, man. I've sat through like, hundred shows where I was like, oh, I wish I was playing this show right now. Yeah, oh, yeah. This would have been awesome. Yeah, but. and you, you, the probably the thing that's the worst is you know you could have gotten your band on there. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're like, mm. uh, so yeah. let's okay. Here we go. To the best of your knowledge, here and kind of off the cuff, tell us the best show that you've ever played, and then on the flop of that, the war show. The best show I've ever played. Yeah. Played a lot of good shows, man. <laughs> All right. We played a killer show in Vancouver a couple of Novembers ago. Not like, like not pandemic November. So it's always I always forget that year shouldn't exist, right? <laughs> November 2019, we flew out to play Vancouver with ATD from Vancouver and the Invasives, and we were supposed to play at that SBC club with the skate ramp in it and stuff like that. Yep. But it got shut down like the week before we were supposed to play there. And uh, so they moved it to this, they found this t- 
total sketch Vancouver punk bar that was in the back of some dude's house or something like that. And it held a hundred people and like 120 people showed up and it went off, man. And it was so cool. Cause you never get that. It felt like that eighties punk rock on TV vibe where people were just crammed in and getting loose. And it was nuts, man. And it was so much fun. And so you have those shows and it's like, yeah, it's so good. We've played killer shows. We played um, we played a bunch in Edmonton that are awesome. We always do well in Edmonton. And they keep bringing us back because we do decent there. So it's nice. But there's we've opened for a lot of cool bands. We played one of our very first shows. We, we played with SNFU a lot. But one of our very first shows, we opened for them for their 30th anniversary of um, Stick in the Eye record in Edmonton. So hometown show kind of thing. And it was that's pretty cool, too. I watched you guys open yeah. for Face to Face. Oh, yeah, that was awesome, too. Face-to-face at Mac Hall Ballroom. Yep. 800 people out there. Yeah, man, that's that was good. And we walked out there. Remember, we were there at the start of the show, and I didn't know what to do, so I thought instead of telling the crowd to cheer, I'd make them get quiet, so I shushed <laughs> yeah. everybody. Yeah. And it worked so good, man. I was like, shh. And I had an 800-person room. It was packed, and they all got quiet. And I was like, all right, the count of three, let's make noise. And then one, two, three, and then this eruption hit. Yeah. They, were, they were only cheering because for the sake of cheering, they wasn't had anything to do with us, but it was just the power of the microphone, I guess. Face-to-face must have been sitting in their dressing room going, who the hell's opening for us <laughs> to get that right? I remember you were you made up a song on the spot. Uh, that one. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys still do that? No, that was, um, we once in a blue moon, we pull it out. Yeah, and then that you're, was, um, somebody, you're like, what, what should this song be about? And someone's like, kumquats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we've done anything. Send it out because we kind of, yeah, we just write a, you do a 20-second punk song and you just repeat what they just yelled and it makes them feel like they love it, man. So Yeah. We have a song on our, on our We Teach Nothing record called Complimentary Tourette's and it never had verses until we actually recorded it. I would just riff on who was in front of me. I was like, hey there, Joel, I like your hood and I like your smile. You know what I mean? And you just do that. And people would be like, people are awesome. We play it all the time and people love it. It has this total crowd connection in the band behind me. They're the best players in the world. They're just shredding and I'm just talking this guy up. And <laughs> he thinks it's cool because I'm including him in the show. And then next thing you know, there's more people involved and I'm talking about girl beside me and she's probably good at math or something like that, you know, like it's just compliments. And then, so that's, that's the gist of the song is we're just throwing out compliments to people. So they're all it's ridiculous, but it's fun. And it's, we like to be positive. I think punk rock is a, is painted as a negative to people that don't know better. So if you're scared of it and you see these guys playing that, the ruckus with the speed and intensity we do, because a lot of bands don't bring it like we do. Um, and we're, we're all smiling and singing along and having a good time. It's very inviting to people that would normally be standoffish to such sounds. So. Flop of that worst show. We were playing with the old wives at, what was it called? The Distillery on McLeod Trail. And um, two songs in, I completely lost my voice. Like I couldn't talk. And it turned out I had laryngitis, so I had to kind of pretend I just was gone so I couldn't sing so I've never had that feeling of uh, you thought you felt like a fool before doing what you're doing when you can't when you don't have your weapon you're useless right that also happened to us we played Canmore and we partied we played Edmonton Calgary then Canmore we partied so hard too hard lesson learned on that 
and I just blew up my voice from uh, partying and singing and yelling and hooting and hollering. So by the time we got on stage at Cabor, I couldn't, like nothing was coming out. But thankfully I figured out how to make noise about three songs in. And it was just like, oh, this is going to be another one of those stupid shows. Man. But the shows, when the shows are only bad when, when it's something I'm doing wrong, I guess. So. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, like probably any show could be turned into a positive. I mean, even if nobody well, shows up, it's like, well, at least we're getting a good practice in. Oh my God! Yeah, but that's even more. I think it's more enticing or more of a challenge if there is six people there. Like, who cares? There's six people here. Let's try even harder to make those six people have the best time in the world. So next time, if we come back, those six people will come back, and maybe they'll bring six more people. So yeah, exactly. It's hard, but you got to put on that face. Like we played a show in Regina last time, and everybody just knew it was not the best, and it wasn't anybody's fault or anybody to blame. But it just wasn't the best, you know. But you're like, well, let's let's just half an hour away through this and try your best. But there's nothing. A lot of those times, you meet you meet one guy in the crowd that becomes a lifelong fan. Yeah, right. And it it might not even be there to do. It might not even be from the actual set. It might be from you connecting at the merch table or having a conversation at the bar when you're buying a beer or something like that. Or yeah, maybe he likes your T-shirt or I think his hat's cool or something like that. And just those little meaningful connections, yeah, might might lead them to liking your band on Facebook or something like that. And then they follow you, and then the next time you come to town, they play there again. So. You've been part of the Calgary scene since I can remember. Yeah, quite some me too, time. since I can remember. Yeah. <laughs> and you've played a ton of shows. You have four full-length albums with Julius Sumner Miller under your belt. <laughs> so what do you think the motivation is to keep going and to keep creating. Well, that is the motivation, just the creation of it. It's fun. It's, it's an awesome hobby. It's, you know, it's, it's healthy that I I don't have um, illusions of fame or pie in the sky attitude thinking that we're awesome. You know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no bravado or ego. If something comes out of it, awesome. If nothing comes out of it, I have records with, <laughs> that are timeless. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, man. If if nothing else, putting out an actual record yeah, of your band is the coolest. Yeah, man. It's the coolest thing in the world to have vinyl of your own band. And when you have people interested in putting it out for you, you know what I mean? It's it's cool. There's a lot of I noticed over the years a lot of people compete for success or for shows or for slots or for anything. And I think what's been healthy in me growing up into this world is having the realization that none of it matters. I don't know if that, I don't want to be negative. No, It's the most positive thing I'll ever say, but it's completely negative in context or not in context. Um, nobody cares and nothing matters. Nobody cares. Like I said before that you played the eight thirty slot at the Stetson on a Saturday, 14 years ago. But in the moment people get so hung up on it. That's incorrect. I remembered that. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But like I'm saying, if you start, if you're supposed to start at eight thirty, start at eight thirty. Like who cares? Like if we wait fifteen more minutes and three more people show up, it doesn't matter, you know. Like yep. their fault, not yours. So. Pretty much. But then we played a show one time in Medicine Hat, and it was I thought it was going to be awesome because all the bands were awesome on it, and um, it happened to be the same night that um, that No Effects punk and drublick festival at edmonton was happening 
So every single punker from Medicine Hat went up to that. So we played, we played this cafe for the other bands, and we were all just like, well, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a long way to play for nobody, man. So. Yeah. It's 1159 at Radio Free America, and this is Uncle Sam with music and the truth until dawn. Right now, I've got a few words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the walls. The chair is against the walls. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. 